Last week, the sermon spoke to the idea that we are God's children. The stories of the shepherds and the wise men, and even a terrible person like Herod, remind us this message is not our private property, but a message intended for everyone. All are invited to find their place as God's children. We are God's children. But there's more to that idea. You see, we are not just God's children. We are God's beloved children. Do we understand that? Do we believe that? I may be able to accept I'm a child of God, but do I really understand that I am a beloved child of God? Jesus showed up to be baptized by John, and John was as surprised as anyone by this. John was proclaiming uh, repentance as a preparation for the coming of God's Messiah. And then the one who John believed was the Messiah showed up and said, baptize me. Jesus asked John to do the same thing for him that John was doing for everyone else. And why? Why was John's question? He was baptizing as a sign of repentance. And certainly God's Messiah didn't need to do any repenting. If anyone should be baptizing in this pair, Jesus should be baptizing John. And John didn't feel himself worthy, and John wanted that baptism of fire and power that he had been promising the crowds the Messiah would bring. But Jesus had something very different in mind. Jesus stepped out of the crowd like any other person that came out to hear John. Jesus stepped into the water like any other person that came to hear John. Jesus didn't need to do that, and yet Jesus chose to do it. Jesus didn't need to be born to poor parents and walk among us, and yet he was, and he did. Jesus didn't need to enter into a dangerous world where people would repeatedly try to kill him, and yet he did. Jesus didn't need to touch lepers, and yet he did. Jesus didn't need to confront demons with only his words, and yet he did. Jesus didn't need to spend three years teaching disciples who often failed to understand the simplest lessons, and yet he did. Jesus didn't need to stand falsely accused of wrongdoing in front of a minor governor of a despotic empire, and yet he did. Jesus didn't need to suffer a painful and embarrassing death, and yet he did. Why? In all of these things, Jesus did it to make clear that message spoken by God when he was baptized. Make clear that it wasn't just a message for Jesus, but a message for humanity. We are God's beloved. Jesus went through all of this to show us that we are God's beloved. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, fully God, became fully human and went through all this to show us we are beloved by God. No other identity comes anywhere close to that. 
Not our family names, as valuable as those might be to us. Not our school identity or the team we scream for. Not our identity as a professional. Not our citizenship in our earthly countries. None of them come close to our being God's beloved. What does it mean? What does that mean to be God's beloved? Jill Duffield had this to say about it. God wants desperately to show us that our value is a given, is given, unearned, and permanent. We are beloved. We are delightful. We belong. We are forgiven. We are free. We are known. We are enfleshed, an enfleshed vision of none other than the divine. Through Jesus Christ, we have access not only to the will and word of God, we are united to God and to one another. Could we begin to understand ourselves and others first and foremost in these terms? What would it mean? What would it mean if we began to see each other this way? What would it mean if each of us looked upon ourselves that way as God's beloved? And that's a huge question with answers that can send us in all sorts of particular direction and amazing spaces. So we need to take it a bit at a time. Let's focus on one particular area today. Isaiah had this to say about the Messiah. He will not cry out or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlines wait for his teaching. The phrase, a bruised reed he will not break, could very much be a reference to the gentle way the Messiah would deal with the vulnerable and the weak and the quiet ones, those whose light is barely a flicker. What does this have to do with seeing ourselves as beloved and seeing others as beloved? Well, one of the ways we often fail miserably at doing this as treating ourselves and others in the way that we react to our shortcomings, to the shortcomings in our own lives or the shortcomings in others' lives. We fail to treat ourselves and others as beloved, and we look at the shortcomings. We're so critical, so critical, often in the wrong ways about ourselves and others. Take ourselves. You know, when it comes to our own beings, we fail to treat the bruised reeds of our lives with gentleness. We denigrate our own looks. We feel shame for sins we didn't commit. We hold on to memories of past mistakes common to every human life. We tell ourselves we failed if we don't perform perfectly. Again and again and again when we do this, we forget the message that we are God's beloved. A dimly burning wick he will not quench. You know, when we criticize ourselves, we quench the wicks that God is lighting in our lives. 
Those smoldering wicks are meant to catch fire and burn brightly as witnesses to the light of the world, Jesus. But when we spend our time beating ourselves up for forgiven sins, our quirks, our traits, our inability to be perfect, we pour water on the flames that God is lighting. And we do this kind of thing to one another. We pour criticism on each other. We hold too tight to the sins of others rather than forgiving. We ridicule one another's God-given traits. We make fun of each other's looks. And that's how we treat people we know. Consider how we talk about our political enemies, our leaders, celebrities, and those who happen to find temporary fame in the world. We forget, too, they are God's beloved. And God is nurturing the flames of love and creativity and grace in their lives. And this, this thing about criticism, you know, we fail in another direction, too, because there are times and places where self-criticism is not wrong, and yet we don't want to go there. There are places God is working to change us, and he wants to open our eyes to the sins and the shortcomings we have that need correction. And when we fail to repent and fail to correct ourselves, we also quench embers that God wants to fan into flames. We're failing at that point to bring forth justice in our lives. But if we undersell, understand ourselves as God's beloved, we can look with courage and honesty upon the places where we need to grow and change and become more righteous. And when we learn to do this, when we look honestly at our lives and repent of our real sins and change how we live, others can look at us and realize we can be great sources of wisdom, of helpful input, of criticism in the best sense of the word. When we love ourselves enough to alter how we live, others understand our input can help them as well and can be done in a loving manner. If we realize we are God's beloved, we are much more open to God changing us, and God can use us to change others. When we understand that we are God's beloved and that others are also God's beloved, we can live into Dietrich Bonhoeffer's description of Christian living. Being a Christian is far less about cautiously avoiding sin than about courageously and actively pursuing God's will. When Jesus emerged from the waters of baptism, God spoke a message for him that God offers to us also. We are God's beloved. I am God's beloved. You are God's beloved. Our family members are God's beloved. Our church family is God's beloved. And God wants us to take this radical message into the world to let others know that they too are God's beloved. When we come to these waters today, listen for that message. You 
are God's beloved. Lay aside those needless criticisms, the failures from your past, the sins that God has forgiven. Take up the places where God can help you grow. Treat the bruised reeds in your lives with care and let the wicks flare up in bright flames. Do the same with one another. Show God's love to the beloved around you and flame those smoldering wicks with love. And then carry that light out into the world and proclaim that amazing truth that God has a message for our broken world. We are God's children. We are God's beloved. Amen.